Amen. Thank you, Daniel. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, my name is Daniel. I'm uh, 21 years of age and uh, just about to graduate from studying music and audio production uh, at Queen's University. Just to paint a little picture of who I am, uh, I've lived in Lisburn all of my life. Uh, I have three siblings, a nerdy older brother called Matthew, uh, who went and got himself a wife while studying at Oxford. Um, a sporty younger brother, Stuart, who, um, who is often mistakenly identified as me. Um, and a super sister called Kerry, uh, who's just finished studying medicine and is the kind of girl you can just rely on to know what to do. I've grown up, grown up in a home full of activity, uh, whether it be wrestling or, or football uh, in the garden and occasionally in the living room uh, at the expense of a lovely white vase. Uh, sorry, Mum. My dad faithfully runs our family department store in Lisburn, Smith Patterson, and my mum sacrificed her profitable position as a, a dentist to care for us children. See, if I'm to share about my faith, my family and especially my parents play an integral part. The example they set for us, an example of selfless love, of investing in other people's lives, in, uh, in looking out for family and of most importantly, worshiping the God of this universe. I have them to thank for exposing me to godly living and ultimately the message of Jesus Christ. I become more and more thankful in every passing day for such a sheltered and love-filled upbringing. So thank you, mom and dad. We owe you a lot. So my, th my story of faith begins in 2007. At eight years of age, I'd already been involved in an array of Christian activities. A kids club at Lisburn Christian Fellowship, uh, Sunday school, scripture union. I'd, I'd heard about God. I was familiar with lots of famous biblical characters. I was going to church with my family every week. So my mind was definitely able to register the, uh, the concept of God. I naturally accepted that I was a created being and that there was more to life than just sports and television. When I come to think of it, actually, I don't think there's ever been a time to varying degrees that I didn't believe that God existed. Whether I understood, understood what it meant is another question, but my Heavenly Father was beginning a work in me that would change my life. My parents developed a routine of reading a Bible story to me before uh, bed every night. The stories of Steady Eddie and Thomas the Tank were great. But there was something about Bible stories that, that resonated with me. There was something that was different. And as a, an inquisitive child, I was starting to, to think about things. Without realizing, my heart was being opened to my Savior. John 3.16, probably the most widely recognized scripture reference was what finally clicked with me for God so loved the world he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life as simple as it gets I prayed thank you Jesus for taking away my sin please forgive me for what I've done and help me to be the best that I can be I believe that as soon as I decided that I wanted to follow Jesus. I was welcomed into the kingdom of heaven, given a clean slate and gifted with the Holy Spirit, who's been my steadfast guide ever since. I was lost, 
condemned without my savior. I'm the one that rebelled against the creator of the universe. Yet he sacrificed his life so that he could let me go free. Now that is true love. My secondary education was spent at Friends School in Lisburn. A lot happened in those seven years. For one thing, I developed a love for music. From a, a reasonably young age, I started learning to play the piano and the drum kit. However, often I was merely going through the motions. Piano sight reading really was the end of me. I always tried to keep my teacher talking, asking about her holidays, about her dog, about her grandchildren. Like, can you imagine a 10 year old asking, how are the grandkids doing? It was all a ruse, of course, buying time, just hoping the half an hour would be up before the dreaded scales and arpeggios book was brought out. It rarely worked, but at least she thought I was a considerate young man. Playing the drums was always a bit of light relief in comparison because my tutor and I spent most of the time chatting and then a short five minutes of drumming just so we didn't arouse any suspicion. This was the height of my musical explorations until I think I was a in fifth year studying for my GCSEs. I chose to study music, and you know what? At first, it still wasn't much better. I wasn't the most gifted with classical musical theory. I wasn't the greatest musician in the room. If I'm honest, I didn't really enjoy it. But then we had to form a band as part of our assessment. This was when I became best of friends with four guys of whom I still have contact with. On occasion, meeting up for wine, apple juice for me, and a selection of cheeses. How sophisticated is that? I never really had close friends until then, and it was our shared love of music that really broke the ice. Through meeting these guys and also start, uh, starting to sit down at the piano or drums and play what I felt like playing, I developed a love for anything and everything music. Now my life would be so dull without it. God has gifted me with such a wonderful way of expressing my thought my creative spark, and ultimately my faith. In school, alongside music, I was also a keen rugby player. What a great sport. For anyone interested, my favourite position is at inside centre. Uh, that's where you can really roll up your sleeves and start throwing boys about like sacks of potatoes. I do love physical sports, which does explain why I'm now learning a martial art called Taijutsu, involving even more throwing boys about like sacks of potatoes. You can ask me afterwards about what on earth is wrong in my head to make me go back for more after being put in all sorts of painful contortions and punched in the face by blokes that have arms the size of my legs. But swiftly returning to rugby, I have learned that my faith cannot be compartmentalised, only to be valid in certain situations. A rugby team is a very challenging place to be a Christian. One's passion and enthusiasm for Jesus can very quickly disappear when confronted with the play hard, drink harder mentality. In my case, however, this was not so much of a problem. My teammates never actually asked me to go out partying with them, probably because they know I'd likely say no. My faith was most challenged on the pitch. It was my last year of school and I had been fairly successful, playing for the first 15 every week and enjoying my rugby, but a competitive world is the world of sport. It wasn't long until I found myself fighting for my place on the team and eventually losing it to a better player. I tried not to show it, but I was absolutely gutted. I trained so hard, made it to as many sessions as I could, always picked up the cones after training, 
which, by the way, I actually won an award for in third year. But still, it wasn't enough. I wasn't enough. It was a bitter pill to swallow. I continued to train hard. I did it with a smile. I still played a good bit for the first 15, but I suppose the damage had been done. But God taught me a lesson in humility through this. Disappointments are hard. It left me feeling uh, exposed. The thought of telling people I had been dropped and I was playing for the second 15 caused me to hang my head in shame. Uh, Of course, there is no shame in it, but it felt like I'd let myself and everyone down. In retrospect, I see the vanity that can take over in the rugby environment. I'm so thankful that my security in Jesus is not found in in how well I perform. None of us can impress him, nor gain the right in our own strength to reside in his presence. We are all broken and susceptible to doing wrong, so I just thank God that he accepts me because of another's righteousness, because of Jesus' righteousness. I attended several Christian camps as a teenager, one of which was a Christians in sport camp held in Campbell College. These weeks were amazing fun. We spent the time playing loads of sport and learning about how being a Christian impacts everything, sport included. One year in particular, the theme was titled Audience of One. The topic was trying to get to the heart of the belief that everything we do as Christians ought to be in worship to the one true God of this world. It occurred to me that if everything I do is to be in service to this God, surely that must require a change in the way I live. You can't say you love someone, but continue to do everything that they are opposed to. I'll be real with you. My Christian walk is messy. Very messy at times. Some weeks are better than others, but it is a constant challenge to live as God wants me to live. Resisting that which he knows is not good for me and putting more energy into pursuing the things he knows brings life. I tell you this because it has given me the opportunity to testify of his unwavering faithfulness. Every time I've tried to run away from him, he has never given up on me. Every time I've let him down, he's never taken back his promise to save me. He promises to stand with me forever and never let me go. No matter what happens, I am held in his hand, never to be forsaken. For the last two and a half years, I've been at Queen's University studying music and audio production. My horizons have been broadened, my musical ability has sharpened, and my skills in producing and recording audio have grown. I haven't just spent the time in the Sonic Arts Research Centre, though. I've thrown myself into serving in the Christian Union. I was on the committee in second year, responsible for the praise and the music. This was such a valuable opportunity. For one thing, it did wonders for my confidence. I had never been, I had never led praise before, so it was definitely a learning curve. For another thing, I'm so thankful for the Christian friendships I've made, many of which I'd love to maintain. I've also been in charge of the audiovisual team for the last while, setting up and taking down equipment every week and making sure everything both sounds and looks good. That is where my interests really lie. Like Electricity just fascinates me, but more so the technology that utilises it. I could spend hours talking about loudspeakers and computers and mixing consoles and all manner of, uh, of tech-related things. I've come to see my interests as opportunities to worship God. 
it has become especially relevant now that church has gone digital, as we are experiencing today. But any way I can serve, I'm more than happy to do. So, Although this is a very brief insight into my life so far, it's given you some idea of who I am and what effect the Lord Jesus Christ has had on me. And in, an, in answer to that, he's changed my life. I'm looking forward to entering the big bad world of work, one of, one of many milestones in anyone's life. I'm both apprehensive and excited to see where I end up playing my trade. I've been offered a job with an audiovisual company, hoping, hoping they can start up again after this pandemic sub subsides. In the meantime, though, I'm able to help my dad, whose business is able to continue. Naturally, I have ideas where I'd like to be, what I'd like to be doing. But I've come to realize there is little, very little control in these hands of mine. Uh, I think we've all come to appreciate that to some extent with the coronavirus and the impact it's had on the world as we know it. But I believe my God is sovereign over all things, big and small. I believe he knows each one of us deeply and he knows what we need. Whether it be what profession I spend my life doing, what fine young lady I marry, what region of the world I take up residence, whether I'm healthy or fall ill, whether I have money or nothing, whether I'm happy, sad, disappointed, heartbroken. Whatever way my life unfolds, I'm at peace, for I know my heavenly Father loves me and will never do anything to harm me. He is the one that provides what I need. He is the one that carries the weight of my anxieties. He is the one that hears my prayers. He is the one that teaches me to love. He is my friend, my father, my savior, my master. He gives me wisdom and he opens my eyes to things I could never imagine. He has given me so much joy, so much happiness. My Lord is good to me. My God is so good to me. So on this Easter Sunday, I proclaim that Jesus is my king. My Jesus is the king. So thanks very much for listening to me. Uh, yeah, we have very little time. Let's go again. Let's go. Thank you. They've transitioned so well. You know, it's it's been a challenge over the last few weeks. Um, everything changed so quickly for everyone. And I'm just so proud of the team we have here at the church. And the, the God's perfect timing of our friends from LCF who have been fantastic as well, coming over to join us. And we're serving together and we're building together and we're glorifying God together. And that's what it's all about. What a fantastic story as well from Daniel, a story of authenticity, of God's faithfulness. And that's what Easter really is all about. It's a demonstration of God's faithfulness. And I want the, us to focus on the resurrection story today. Not only today, but over the coming weeks. I want this to be the beginning of a, a new sermon series um, that we're calling from Easter to Pentecost. And Pentecost means 50 because it's 50 days between Easter Sunday and Pentecost Sunday when God sent his spirit. And then there's that time in between when Jesus appeared to his followers and strengthened them and encouraged them. And you know, 
very often had to draw alongside them and lift them up because of their struggling faith. But that's what's wonderful about following Jesus. It's not so much about us holding on to him, but more about him holding on to us. And I think it's fantastic that this series is going to culminate in Pentecost Sunday, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit who enters the life of the child of God and strengthens us and helps us in our walk. So it's not about the perfection of our lives that counts. It's about the direction. It's about moving forward with Jesus. And sometimes there's twists and turns along the way, but Christ holds us in his hand. So I want to read with you from Matthew chapter 28. It's the story of the resurrection of Jesus. And I want you to look out, particularly as we read in verse 5 and also in verse 10, how Jesus addresses his followers not to be afraid. Matthew 28 verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Here it is in verse 5. Take note. Then the angel spoke to the women, Don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Note, just as he said would happen. Do you see, Jesus is someone who keeps his word. He finishes what he starts. Just as he said he would. Come, see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The woman ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go, tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. What a beautiful account of the resurrection of Jesus and how he appeared to his followers and just brought that calming reassurance to their lives. That's what God wants every one of us to experience today. The reassurance of the hand of God upon our shoulder saying to us, don't be afraid. At a time when we can't touch one another physically, the hand of the Lord is still able to touch us and be upon us to bring us that peace. And it's amazing that as followers of Jesus Christ, we can stir our future in the face knowing that God goes with us. 
better still, not only does he go with us, he goes ahead of us. Because that's how Jesus is described in the New Testament, as a good shepherd. And in biblical times, a shepherd went ahead of the sheep and he called them. You see, Jesus doesn't call us to go to a place where he hasn't yet went. Does that not reassure you today? When you're thinking about how the coronavirus is impacting the economy, potentially impacting our health, family life, children at school, exams, what's going to happen in three months, in six months, what's going to happen in a year? Well, the Lord calls us to that place today of rest. He would say, stop striving. Let go of anxiety. Place your life afresh into my hands and see the wonderful things that I want to do for you. It's all about relationship. The whole biblical story from Genesis to Revelation is all about relationship. That's, why we, that's what we were created for. You were created and I was created to have a relationship with God. Have you ever asked the question in your life, maybe you're watching today and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ and deep, deep down within your life, you just know something is missing. You just know that you were created for more than this. The truth is that you were created to live in relationship with God. When we go right back to the beginning of Scripture in the book of Genesis, when God created the first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve, he created them to live in relationship with himself. Of course, the biblical story teaches us that sin, disobedience, severed that relationship. And from that point right up until now, humanity has been seeking and searching and looking for what it is their hearts long for and desire. And that very thing is a relationship with God. As Daniel has been sharing with us, it's about connecting with him. It's about repenting from our sins, a change of mind with regards to the way we're living and acknowledging that we haven't given God his place, his rightful place in our lives. And when we do that and turn to Jesus for salvation and ask for forgiveness, he always comes. He never rejects anyone. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus is in the, in, in the business of forgiving sins and coming into people's lives and redeeming people's lives. Do you know what the word redeem means? It means to buy back all the things that we've lost Everything that has been marred and ruined. Jesus is in the business of redemption. <laughs> so it gives us hope for the future. Do you want a definition of hope? Hope is the conviction that the future is going to be better than the present. And the wonderful truth about being a follower of Jesus Christ is the best is always yet to come. Our best days are always ahead of us. And the Lord would come to you in your home, in your living room today, even to us gathered here in this little room doing the live stream, and he would say, the best is yet to come. Take courage. Don't be afraid. And the cross just speaks about the love of God for us, speaks about the desire of God to bring us back into that relationship with him. Jesus hung on that cross between heaven and earth. Note that. He hung on a cross between heaven and earth to form that beautiful connection between humanity and God 
once again. He hung and he suffered on that cross. Did you ever ask the question, what was going on in those dark hours? As the Bible tells us that um, darkness covered the whole land for three hours. And in those dark moments, here's what was happening. God the Father, a righteous, holy God who just can't pass by sin. Sin has to be punished. He heaped out his anger against sin on his beautiful, perfect, only son. Jesus was the only one, the only perfect one who could deal with the problem of sin. And in those dark hours, God the Son, Jesus Christ, he submitted himself to the will of his Father. And he hung there. And when he was on the cross, you were on his mind. At this Easter time, I want you to personalize the gospel message, the good news of Jesus. I want you to think not just that Jesus died for the sins of the world, but Jesus died for you. And he reaches out to you today in the comfort of your own home. And he says, come to me. I long to have a relationship with you. That's why I sent my only son. You see, it's sin that keeps us from a relationship with God. Jesus entered into our sin that we might enter into his holiness. Jesus entered into our chaos that he might bring us into his order. And there's no greater thing in life than discovering the very purpose for which we were born, to live in relationship with God. But the cross just isn't about getting a ticket to heaven, having our sins forgiven. What was purchased for us at the cross and the resurrection of Jesus was the rest of our lives, the purposes and plans God has for us, strength to overcome difficulty, the very life of God coming inside of us and giving us new life, giving us a power that's not our own, giving us desires that aren't our own, giving us a future that's not our own. This is all tied up in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. And as Jesus hung on that cross, he cried out, it is finished. It is finished. What he meant was that the way has been opened again for human beings to connect with God. We're told in the Gospels that when Jesus cried, it is finished, that there was this huge big curtain in the temple in Jerusalem that separated the holy place from the most holy place. And it was only once a year that the great high priest could go in there to atone for sin. And when Jesus cried, it was finished, the curtain was torn from the top to the bottom, signifying that the way is opened, that we can enter in freely to God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ. You see, it's all about him. I meet so many people out and about and I talk to them about the Christian faith. I talk to them about the joy of following Jesus and they say, but Gary, you don't understand. If, if, if you knew me, if you really knew me, you would understand that God couldn't accept me. My friend, it's about Jesus. It's not about your performance. It's about Jesus. It's about what he has done for you. And his arms are open wide today to accept you. And not only will he save you, he will keep you. He will sustain you. 
He will be there to pick you up in the difficult times when you fall. He'll be there to comfort you in the midst of your disappointment. He will be there to lead you all the way. That is the cross. But praise God today that Jesus didn't stay on the cross. Yes, he died. He gave up his spirit. Note that he gave up his life voluntarily. No one took his life from him. He gave it up of his own accord as an act of love. Then he was buried. Then on the third day, the day that we celebrate the day, Easter Sunday, Jesus rose victoriously from the dead. The tomb in Jerusalem today is empty. Jesus is alive. And here's one thing that the empty grave signifies. The Bible tells us that the empty grave is, is a message to the world that the Father is absolutely well pleased with the sacrifice of His Son. It was the Father's way of saying, you did everything I called you to do. You atoned for sin. I am well pleased with you, and I'm going to raise you from the dead. And here's the beautiful thing. When we come to Jesus and put our faith in Him, that same pleasure that the Father takes in His only Son, He now takes in us. He looks at us because we're in Christ, and He says to us, you're my son, John. You're my son, Paul, you're my daughter, Lisa, you're my daughter, Anne, and in you I am well pleased. In Christ, every one of us are graded, and we get a grade A. No one gets a D, no one gets a C, no one gets a B. Every follower of Christ gets an A. Because Jesus got an A, we get an A. And when we meet him on that day, and God says to us, why should I let you into my kingdom, my eternal kingdom? Our answer will be because of Jesus. Not because of my performance, not because of your performance, because of the performance of Jesus. My friends, I'm taking time today to explain this because there's so many people don't understand that this is what is at the heart of the Christian faith. It's the performance of Jesus, the resurrection the resurrection is about provision. Not just the provision of the forgiveness of our sins, but the provision of everything that we need to live the Christian life that God has called us to live. So whatever the plans are that God has for us, and by the way, those plans were already in God's heart before you were born. How amazing is that? So he's got these plans for you. He's got these gifts for you, and on those gifts are written your name. So you don't have to be in competition with anyone else. It's just about you and him. And he says, walk with me, and I will lead you in my ways. And I will do things in your life that will blow your mind. Provision has already been made for that. What provision is it that you're anxious about today? Is it provision for your job? The cross and the resurrection have got it covered. Is it financial provision you're anxious about? Rest in God. The cross and the resurrection of Jesus have got it covered. Whatever your anxiety is, you can come and you can just lay it at the feet of Jesus and say, Holy Spirit, forgive me for not trusting you in the way I should. Come upon me in power afresh and give me fresh hope to look into my future knowing that you're with me and you're walking with me. 
Don't be afraid, Jesus said to the earlier fo- the early followers of him twice in this passage. Don't be afraid. Fear not. It's me. I'm alive. I'm king. I've conquered all. I'm high over all. Coronavirus didn't take me by surprise. Whatever comes your way can't pass into your life w- without first coming through me. We find our rest in him. As the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. For he who promised is faithful. God is faithful. Look back over your life. Look at the disappointments you faced. Look at the different paths that your feet have taken you. And you've been bitterly disappointed at times. Has God ever left you? No. He's with you today. Holding you in his hands. For he who promised is faithful. And that's what the angel said to those women who first arrived at the empty tomb. We read it in verse 6 of Matthew 28. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead just as he said would happen. Just as he said would happen. What God would say to us today is this crisis that we're going through, and I'm aware that there's many people suffering pain and loss, and we're praying for you. But through it all, and at the end of it all, God is still king, God is still building his kingdom. God is still faithful and his purposes and plans for your life and my life will still come to pass. You see, the reality of the Christian life is this. It's a principle of the kingdom of God. God always finishes what he starts. He always finishes what he starts. And the scripture tells us in the book of Hebrews that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Okay? So it's not like God says, right, I want to ignite your faith and get it going, and then I'll just step back and leave you to your own resources. The one who came to us by the power of his Holy Spirit and and brought conviction to our lives and drew us to himself, and we believed in him. He is the same God who continues to work at our faith, develop our faith, and stretch our faith. And we've heard so much at this time, even from me in recent weeks, saying to you, fear not, fear not. Maybe you, you have found yourself fearful. Maybe you've found your faith has been shaken at its core. Here's the beautiful thing. God isn't giving up on you because of that. Do you know what the Lord wants from all of us? He wants us to be honest. He wants us to be honest and admit, Lord, this is where I'm at in life. This is the struggles that I'm having. These are my thoughts. These are my feelings. You know, your discouragement and your disappointments aren't too big for God to handle. He wants to enter into those difficulties with you. He doesn't want you to to hide them from him. He wants to come in and as the author and finisher of your faith, he wants to develop your faith. He wants to lift you up. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to encourage you. And he wants to lead you on. So why not take time just to be honest before God? He already knows your thoughts. He knows exactly where you are 
in life. And he wants to lead you forward. Jesus cried, it is finished. It is finished. So greater freedom in life is not through trying harder, but it comes through finding deeper places of surrender. Just giving up our all to God, saying, Lord, I give it all to you. I hand it all over to you. And just resting back. I'm sure most of you are sitting on your settees at home. Just rest back in the settee even at, at this time. Just rest back in it now. That's the way God wants you to rest in him. He wants you to rest in his goodness and in his love and to cease from that internal striving and just find rest in the Lord. Maybe you'd love to come to Jesus today for the first time and you're thinking, but Gary, my faith isn't that strong. Well, here's the great truth of the Christian faith. It's not the strength or the level of your faith that saves you. It's the person whom you're putting your faith in. So your faith could be this little small faith, but it's still a faith in Jesus. That will save you. Or your faith could be big. It doesn't matter whether your faith is big or small. It's all about who your faith is in. And if it's in Jesus, he will come and lift you up. Salvation is a gift. Forgiveness is a gift. As I said earlier on, we can't earn it. So Jesus demonstrates his great love for us at Easter. He comes down into our mess, into our chaos, and he brings us peace. There's a beautiful verse in the book of James in the New Testament, and I love it because it really simplifies what it means to come to God. It says these words, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. What a fantastic, powerful promise. Draw near to God. Just take that step toward him and he will draw near to you. Every time we come to him, whether it's for the first time to accept Jesus as Savior or whether it's for the thousandth time as a believer because we need him at this time, that's the promise. If you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. And it's beautiful. Every time we draw near to God afresh, he just touches us again. He refreshes us again. And we never grow tired and we never grow weary of following Jesus. Because there's always so much more to know. There's almost always so much more to encounter with God. And he's calling us deeper, deeper. Just like when we go on our summer holidays, though we may not be getting any summer holidays this year, who knows? Maybe a trip up the North Coast. But we walk into the we walk into the sea and we paddle. We take our socks and shoes off and we paddle in it with our feet. And then maybe we go in, go in a little bit deeper up to our knees. Maybe in a, in a little bit deeper up to our waist. And then finally we just launch in and we dive in head first and we swim in the vast ocean. And that's, that's what God's always doing in the li lives of his children. He's saying, come a little deeper. Come a little deeper. Come deeper into my spirit. Come, I want to show you things that you've never experienced before. I want you to know my heart and my love in a way that you've never 
encountered before. There's more. And this Easter time is all about the so much more. Jesus says in John 14, 19, Because I live, you shall live also. It's about his resurrection life coming into our lives. So eternal life is not just about receiving Jesus to get to heaven. It's about everything that lies ahead after that as well. Eternal life starts the moment you believe. That's what Jesus said in John 17. And this is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life begins now. And in the coming weeks, that's what we're going to study together. We're going to delve into the scriptures from Easter to Pentecost. And we're going to learn and discover more about what God has for us in our lives. So just to remember Jesus now, I want us to share communion together. And I hope you're ready for that at home. We've been doing this each week. We're going to take the bread together. Um, it, this reminds us of the broken body of Jesus that he hung and he suffered there. There's no special power in the bread or the cup that we're about to take. It's just emblems that represent what Jesus has done. And the cup, we take a little cup of juice which reminds us of the blood of Jesus. Because while he was on that cross, he, he shed his blood. And the blood signified his life, that it gave his life for us. And it's that blood that cleanses us from sin. And we take these emblems and we remember Jesus. It's our way of thanking him. It's our way of keeping our levels of gratitude high for what the Son of God has done for us. So I want, us to, I want to lead us in prayer now, and then I want us to take the emblems together. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this great Easter message. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you gave your very life for us that we might go free. We thank you, Jesus, that you're alive today, that you've ascended to heaven, that you're seated at the Father's right hand, that place of authority, and that your authority has become our authority. So we stand today as we take these emblems of the bread and the cup, we stand in the love of Jesus Christ. We stand in the finished work of Jesus, his work on the cross. And we thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for entering our darkness that we might enter your light. Lord, we were, we were dead in sins. You entered our death that we might enter your life. You entered into our sins that we might enter into your holiness. It's all about Jesus. You're so faithful today, Lord. And we celebrate the resurrection of Christ today. We look into the future with great hope. We say, Lord, put your hand afresh upon us. Let us know your reassuring touch in these uncertain times. Lord, be with our NHS staff. Be with those who are working on the front line. Be with those who are suffering. Lord, bring healing and push back this coronavirus in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we just give you thanks that you're with us through it all. And we take these emblems now to celebrate your wonderful work. Let's take the bread and the cup together.
and we take the bread, which signifies the broken body of Jesus, and we say, thank you, Jesus, for dying for us. And Lord Jesus, your precious blood that was shed for us, we thank you that your blood brings forgiveness to us. Throughout this day, my prayer for all of you is that the peace and the presence of the living God might rest upon you and be with you. And that everyone who hears this message, whether now on the live stream or who listens on the recording, might come to know Jesus. And if you have made that decision to follow Christ, please let us know. Send us a message on our Facebook page. Contact us via email. You'll see our email address on our website. We would love to contact you and pray with you and help you in your young Christian life to follow him. But all of us today, let's take fresh hope because he lives. Because he lives, we shall live also. Thank you for tuning in.